0: he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud of their and most thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our enemies Merry Christmas everybody. Welcome to Skillman Church of Christ. And uh, what my daughter just read is the text for this morning. It is known as Mary's Song in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. It's also known as the Magnificat, which in Latin means magnify. Taken from that first verse, my soul magnifies the Lord. In Verse 46. And I thought that it was... It's fitting that Parker, my daughter, who is 11, how are you 10? 10? 11. 11 years old. I thought it was, we have so many, it's to keep <laughs> It's fitting that she read this text because most scholars believe that Mary, when she sang these words in Luke, the first chapter, she was not too much older than In fact, most scholars believe that Mary at the time of the story was a teenager, 13, 14, 15 years old. No one can tell, but in that time, ancient Near East, you became betrothed to marriage once you were able to bear children. And so it wasn't uncommon for children at that young age to be betrothed, to be married. At this time, in this part of the story, Mary, this young Mary, out by miracle that she becomes pregnant with the Savior of the world. And after visiting Elizabeth and being encouraged by Elizabeth, she utters this amazing song, this prayer. In fact, in the whole New Testament, this is the longest uh, section of dialogue from one woman in the entire New Testament. And oftentimes, when you read this prayer, Mary's song, it's easy to think about Mary. The character in the, the, the nativity scene. And so she's kind of in the background. She's kind of passive. Doesn't say too much. She's kind of in the background. just walks. And she's just a side character in the greater story of Jesus. It's easy to see Mary in the, in the nativity scene as someone who might be weak. Or someone who's submissive. Someone who's passive. But if you really look at this prayer... This is a song of rebellion. And if you don't gloss over the words, if you read what she is actually saying, and if you take into account the time and the situation that surrounded her at the time, Mary is no weak being. In fact, Mary is fierce, she's rebellious, she is defiant. This Mary is brave, she's persistent, she's resilient, and for someone So young, this virgin, so young and so pure to utter this prayer, this song of power. It's amazing. Mary, in this prayer, in Mary's song, she is literally sticking it to the man. She is challenging the very system, the the unjust system that she found herself in. Her words are a direct challenge to what she sees as an injustice. I mean, look at the words that you see on this in verse 52. He, speaking of God, has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. This isn't no weak, passive, married Mary is literally crying rebellion. This is a song of power, and it's a song that is challenging the very system. In fact, the the very famous uh, German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, how many of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? A very famous uh, author and theologian in the uh, Nazi Germany, in fact, he was executed by the Nazi Germans for speaking out against the injustices that he saw in Nazi Germany at that time. But before his execution, in an Advent sermon in 1933, December 17th, Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke about this very song of Mary. He wrote, well, he spoke, he said, the song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It, added, it is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary who we sometimes see in paintings. This song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. It is instead a hard, strong, inexorable song about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. And just imagine if you were in that day and age, if you were living under the reign of the Roman Empire, you felt like you had a boot to your neck, the system was against you. You lived on the margins. This prayer, this song that Mary utters would be a word of life, a word of encouragement for those on the margins, for those who struggle, for those who have been exploited, for the abused, for the abandoned, for the asylum seekers feeling, the weight of an unjust system. This song is incredibly good news. It's an unexpected beauty. It's a great reversal of what we think is going on. It's a rally cry for those to join in on the revolution of good and love. But if you are in a place of power, if you are one of those people that exploit, then this prayer, this song, tells a different story. In fact, looking at this prayer in history, this particular song in Luke chapter one, Mary's song, was at one point in human history banned from three countries at one point. In fact, when the English had control over India, this song, this prayer, that we make it called, was not permitted to be sung within any church because of the power of the words against those that were in charge. In fact, uh, when the Indians, when the Indian people finally regained control of their country, Mahatma Gandhi, one of his first acts was he asked that every church in every square that this song would be sung as a, as a song of, of proud rebellion against what they had in the English. In, in the 1960s, in Guatemala, this particular song was banned from proclamation in all the churches. Because the government thought that it was so dangerous and it was so revolutionary, they didn't want to have any uprisings against the dictatorship in Guatemala. And finally, in the 1970s and 80s, the dictatorship in Argentina banned this very song from being sung. Because there was a group of mothers who, on the very square, displayed these words when their children were, had disappeared during the, uh, the war, the, the dirty war in Argentina in the late 70s and 80s. This song has power. This song has meaning. It is a ticket to the man against the, rebel, the against the powers that are unjust. It's an amazing song that speaks to the power and this new reality that Jesus brings upon His birth. There's a Peruvian theologian named Gustavo Gutierrez. He's a liberation theologian. He wrote about this text and says any exegesis, any any exegesis, any interpretation is fruitless that attempts to tone down what Mary tells us about preferential love of God for the lowly and the abused, and about the transformation of history that God's loving will implies. In fact, I was also reading a blog post by an artist named Ben Wildflower, and apparently this guy Ben, he's an artist, he also works in construction. And he had gone to church and heard Mary's song, and the power behind it, and how this was a rally cry against unjust systems, and it was a statement of rebellion against injustice. And so after work one day, on a piece of wood that was there in this construction site, he took his pencil, and he began to draw a picture of what he thinks this would look like. And he came up with this amazing picture of the mother Mary. Uh, there's a picture of it here. You see it. Look yeah. at Elizabeth Johnson expounds on this when she talks about the Magnificat. She says the Magnificat is a revolutionary song of salvation whose political, economic, and social dimensions cannot be blunted. People in need in every society hear a blessing in this canticle. The battered women, the single parents without resources, those without food on the table or without even a table the homeless family, the young abandoned to their own devices, the old who are discarded, all are encompassed in the hope that Mary proclaims. Do you guys see the power of this song in the Advent season? What this song challenges, what this song confronts, the power this song can have on society. You see, this song articulates, this song advocates that power, that greed, that injustice will not have the last word. It will not win. It cannot win in this new kingdom because of Jesus. And this song advocates that love, joy, graciousness, hope will win in the end. And that Jesus will stand above it all when it's all said and done. This song translates and advocates a new type of currency. Instead of power... And, and economic gain being the, the, the main currency. This song advocates love and mercy being the currency that drives the entire universe. It's an amazing song. In fact, in verse 50 of this song, very song, there's a word that's used that epitomizes this new understanding, this new kingdom that Jesus advocates and that comes with this birth of a new kingdom. In verse 50, there's a word there that's translated in English as mercy. As mercy. And uh, this word mercy in English translated it comes from a Hebraic understanding of the word Hesed. Hasid. chesed. Can you guys say Hesed? You gotta have that, you know, in front of you. Let's say it all together. One, two, three. And <laughs> he's just the phlegm the building up in This word chesed is a Jewish word that is woven in the book of Luke time and time again and speaks of incredible mercy. Sometimes it's translated as loving kindness. Sometimes it's translated as covenant love. What chesed is, is this love that we have as people that doesn't depend on the actions of the other person. It's a a kind, loving kind of mercy that is just there and is committed through the good times and the bad times. This word chesed speaks of a love that does not wane in times of struggle and pain, but it's even stronger. It's a committed love. It's a covenant love. And time and time again, it's spoken how God has this chesed love towards all of humanity. In fact, this word chesed, is used to describe Ruth and her relationship with Naomi. When Ruth says, I will go where you go, I will follow you where you go, I will your God be my God. This verse chesed, describes that relationship with Ruth and Naomi, and also Boaz and Ruth. It's a love that cannot be described. A deep love that's not dependent upon the circumstances of the other person and the reciprocation. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8. When the prophet said, well, what should we do? And God responds, well, do this. Here is what is expected of you. Seek justice. Love, chesed. And walk humbly. This word chesed, love, loving kindness. This is what's advocated in Mary's song as the new currency, the new reality. is what the advent brings to the table as what is is the new normal in a kingdom ruled by God. said this idea, is like that part of that, that musical, Le where Jean Valjean had just escaped from prison. And he had been roaming the area, hadn't been able to find a job, living on the streets, and finally this, uh, this priest invites him to live with him uh, for the night and feeds him an incredible meal. And it gives him a bed to sleep in for the first time in weeks and months. And so John Valjean just eats all the food and gets this nice, comfortable bed. And in the middle of the night, John Valjean tries to steal the silver that he saw on the table when he was eating and run away and, and use that silver to buy himself a new life. So he does that. He sneaks off, he steals the silver, and he goes into the night he gets caught by the police. They see that there's silver in his back and it doesn't seem right and so they take John on the back to this priest and they knock on the door and the priest opens and the priest and the police said we have him did he, did he steal this candle, this silver candle did he steal his silverware from, from you and this priest paused and said oh I'm so glad that you came back because you forgot the most valuable of it all I thought that you would take this, too. And he goes into his cupboard and gets him the most most precious silver that he had and gives it to Jean Valjean. And tells the police, no, I gave this to him. He did not steal it. And Jean Valjean used that act of love it transformed his entire life. That is chesed. Chesed is a story that I heard growing up about this church that was located across the street from a college campus in the 1970s. And as the story goes, Church was meeting one Sunday and the doors flew open in the back. And this man who's described as a hippie walks in with long hair, with long beard, with shabby clothes, wearing no shoes. And he came to this church. And so he starts in the back and he begins to walk, trying to find a seat, and all the pews were completely full. And so he goes all the way to the front, and all he could do was sit at the side of one of the pews. And just sat there on the ground in this church because there was nowhere else for him to sit. Well, as the story goes, this elderly gentleman who was a leader of that church came, stood up with his cane and began walking towards this hippie of a man. And everyone knew what was going to happen, that he would be escorted out of the building. But what happened was a surprise to everyone when this elderly gentleman got to this, uh, to this hippie sitting on the ground and bent and sat down next to him enjoying him on the floor during the worship service. That is chesed, it's love in action. Chesed is like what happened 16 years ago in January when Tara and I were getting married and we looked at each other there at the ceremony and she uttered the words, sick to health, and better or for worse, I can't remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> in good times and bad times, in richer and poorer, when she looked into my eyes and we were holding hands, and with all of her heart, she said these words to me. Instead, it's fifteen years later when we're tired, when the dishes are dirty in the sink, and I look at her and she looks at me, and we know that we love each other despite the chaos of life. This is chesed. This is the love that that, that Mary speaks of this new currency. Chesed is like my grandfather and my grandmother and my grandmother who had dementia and Alzheimer's for the last part of her life. It was messy. It was difficult. And it was hard. And my granddad, for for a time in his life, had to care in all capacities for my grandmother. But chesed is the scene that I see with this hospice, hospice bed at my grandparents' house. And my grandfather holding my grandmother's hand, singing hymns of God to her ear as she takes her last breaths. This is chesed, the love that is put into action. Chesed is a story that I recently heard that happened earlier this year. Her name is. Ruki Abdul Mutakalim, and she lives in Ohio. And two years ago, Ruki's son was brutally murdered by some young men who had tried to rob him. And he was shot and died there on the ground for a measly $60 that he had in his wallet. And over the course of these two years, one of the shooters, Javon Coulter, uh, He finally was in trial. And just earlier this year, the trial was happening. And uh, Ruki, she asked the judge if she had a word with Javon. And so the judge granted this request. And Ruki, she stood up, and she walked over to Javon. And she gave Javon a giant hug, held him with her arms. admitted after he had just admitted to being involved in his her son's death. She also walked over and embraced Javon's mother. She wanted him to know that she could see beyond the act that took her son's life. And she pledged in that courtroom to help Javon become the man that he was created to be. She said to him, maybe the purpose of all this was to save your life. And since this has happened, uh, Ruki has visited the the jail several times, investing in the good of Javon. Uh, There's a picture of this in the courtroom, uh, this love that took place, of Ruki and Javon, in the embrace of the man who killed her son. Hasid is a story of Paul, Gochis, who's a retired man, 74 years old, who decided after his retirement, he wanted to help those who are in lower socioeconomic income get to class on time. And so he goes around each and every day and picks up people for free and drops them off to class so that they could be at school on time and complete their education. To this day, he's done this for eight years and has tracked in over 64,000 miles helping people who don't have their own vehicle to get to college and get to class so they can pursue their education. This is Chassid. This is the new normal that comes with the birth of Christ. Chased is a story about Ken Watson and Katie Williamson. Because Ken Watson was this older elderly gentleman in his 80s. And just next door, the Williams family moved in. And they became good friends, and Katie was born not too long after that. Well, when Katie was uh, was two years old, surprisingly, Ken Watson passed away. He was 84, 86 years old at the time of his death. And during this course of this time, they become really close, and, and Ken and, and the older gentleman and Katie had, had this special relationship. And so uh, the funeral happened, and it was a shock, and everyone was sad. Not too long, after the funeral, Ken's daughter shows up at William's house with a whole bag full of of, uh, gifts. And what happened was that in Ken's will, he had left a part of his will that said that he wanted to give Katie 14 uh, gifts, one per year, until she turned 16 years old. And so there at that house, 14 gifts arrived. And every year, Katie opens up a gift from Ken that he left to her. So when she's 16, she'll have a gift for 14 straight years. This is, I said, there's a picture there also of, uh, this is uh, sweet Katie and the 14 gifts that Ken left behind in in his will to give to Katie once a year for 14 years at Christmas to show his love for her. Do you see what this new story of Christmas, the difference between what we see in the Roman Empire, power, greed, economic pursuit, and this new vision of, like I said, this new vision of love and kindness, grace and forgiveness? The Christmas story at it reminds us that we shouldn't hold on with tight fists to power, to greed, and to wealth, It begs the question, is the world made better through coercive violence through power, or is the world made better through loving, kindness, generosity? Ultimately, in the words of Mary, we learn that the mighty will be cast down from their throne. The lowly will be lifted up by the hungry. The the lowly will be lifted up. The hungry will be fed, and the rich will be sent away empty. This is such a powerful message. When we take it to heart, this is the Christmas spirit. This is the message that Jesus brings, that the new currency, the new way of life is chesed. Chesed is what God brings with His new birth. Each week, we do offer an invitation. And for this Christmas season, the invitation today and now for you to participate in this Christmas to participate in this new vision of love and graciousness and loving kindness and mercy, and to give your life in the pursuit of this just as God did for us. We will sing a song, and as we sing, you know, we elders on the side, I'm going to start a few back. Prayer request that we, as a body, can pray for you today, or if if you would like to become a disciple of Jesus, we also offer the opportunity to to be baptized here and now together. But uh, may we learn from this Advent message? May we see that love will always win, that greed, that power, that pursuit of heaven again, will not have the last word. But Jesus teaches that love. call. Oh.